really wanting to focus on what is that 20% that I need to know uh, that'll give me 80% of the results or in essence that 20% that's the most important. The remaining 80% is good to know. You're listening to the We Love Equity Real Estate Show, a podcast that discusses the intricacies of real estate investing with your host, Marcus E. Maloney. Marcus is a real estate investor best known for being the equity king. He's been awarded that moniker because he and his team find amazing real estate deals. He will be talking with investors who have done some transformational things in the real estate industry. They'll discuss their process, their strategies, and how their investments transform their lives and the communities they invest in. We welcome you to the We Love Equity Real Estate Show. Hello, hello, hello. We love equity real estate listeners. How are you guys doing today? I have a very special guest. His name is Sterling White. And Sterling, we have met before, we've spoken before, and haven't done any deals together. How he hails from Indianapolis, Indiana, but now is doing big things down in the big state of Texas. So, guys, I want to give you a warm welcome. Sterling, how are you doing today, sir? Man, I am doing fantastic. I had some caffeine earlier, so already on top of my energeticness and definitely enjoyed the experience meeting Marcus. He's got this aurora about a good positive energy. So definitely kudos to you on that. Thank you. Thank you so much, sir. So the last time we talked was at the BP conference in 2019. And I know you during that time, you were transitioning from residential to doing more multifamily. Is that still the case? Yes, that is still the, the case at this moment. So okay. no longer in the single family home space, exited out about 150 or so single families, and now just on multifamily. Okay, so let's kind of go back, man. What did you do prior to real estate? Yeah. So one, I'll just give everyone a brief spark note version on myself. Who is Sterling White? There you uh, go. Is, uh, born and raised in Indianapolis, Indiana, not so good parts of the city where when you tend to, to drive through the neighborhoods I grew up in, you would lock your doors and roll up the windows and uh, Section 8 housing, welfare, food stamps and uh, single mother, fraternal twin brother. And I remember Marcus uh, at five years old, almost lost my life due to a, a stray bullet is wow. that. Both my brother and I were sitting down at the kitchen table eating Raymond noodles and cut up hot dogs, something along those lines. And then as soon as we go upstairs, a bullet comes right through the back patio where we were sitting. So statistically, I shouldn't be sitting here in this chair making it past the age of 18, but luckily ended up getting out of that environment. And fast forward, how I got started in real estate was during when I was in college, my friend's dad owned a construction company, and that's how I got my foot in the door as a laborer. But I saw that and from my reading that that's not how the rich and wealthy people got is by being laborers. They actually were investors. And then that's when I started seeking, okay, well, let me get into investing. However, I had two big things that were needed, which was one, my credit score, which isn't too huge. But at that time, I didn't have a credit score. I wouldn't pull and you would register it. And then also I had no money. But I partnered with someone who was able to complement those weaknesses and then bought that very first deal, scaled to 150 single families, and then transitioned to, to multifamily and then got to about 500 units. Okay. So there was a lot there, you yes. know, from, from the hood to the, or from the hood to the palace, I'll put it that way, uh, working your way up more yeah. into the palace. But how did you, so 
you started as a laborer and then you knew that that wasn't the track in order to be successful. What did that first deal, what did that first rental look like? How did you actually get into it? So how it worked was I started putting myself out there. So I knew that the, the my mentor at that time is Amanda Amanda CrossFit Gym. We started building a relationship, never thought they would be my mentor and actually started working within his property management company that he had and work, was working for completely free. And he owns a multifamily property. Wait, and wait, was doing wait, wait. Property. Let's, let's go back, Sterling. Did you say okay. you was working completely free? Yes, I was working completely free. Okay. Yes. And a lot of people don't understand that when you're getting started, sometimes you have to volunteer your services in order to be in proximity of the people that you want to be like or you want to emulate. So sometimes you have to give of yourself in order to receive. So I didn't want to gloss over that, man, because that's a that's a very strong point. So continue on. Yeah. And that was the the kicker, because when I sat down and said, how can I be a value to you in your business? And here and, and the thing I saw, he was a little hesitant. I said, well, you don't have to pay me anything. And then he ended up taking me up on that. So it was working within his property management company, helping out with what he needed as far as putting his rental units up online, because he was more of an old school and on how he operated. And then at one point he said, I'm looking to buy a single family which normally people go from single family to multifamily, but he was going from multifamily to wanting some single family. And, but he had the cash, but he didn't have the time. I had the time, but I didn't have the cash. And then that's when I started to put myself out there. And one deal ended up coming in the pipeline that made sense, presented to him. He funded the purchase price as well as the rehab and then threw me into the fire to, okay, Sterling, go figure everything else out. Wow. Wow. Okay. So you got out there, you found a deal. How did, how did you find a deal? Was it just through local realtor, you know, Craigslist back in the days, Facebook, how did you end up finding that? So this was through networking and this was a individual. It was a wholesaler where had a, a contact direct with the seller on the property, sent it over and at that time, you could actually get C-class properties for the, the 2% rule. Very mm-hmm. difficult, if not very extremely hard to come by in today's right. market. So this was in 2014. So the purchase price was $25,000. The estimated rehab was $15,000. It actually ended up being twenty five, dollars And then the rent we were able to get on that was $800. Okay, good, good. Very good. So and, and throughout this process, he was teaching you along the way, correct? Correct. And some not so much teaching me that I had to figure it out. And that's when I came across the tool Bigger Pockets, where I was doing self-education. And what better experience than to get real world experience by actually, and I'll give you an example, Marcus, is one of the two of the, the tenants that were living there, well, one, yeah, two of the tenants, they ended up moving out halfway through the lease. And then ended up subleasing to someone that they, we didn't even know. So I had to figure out, okay, what do I do in this situation? Turns out you have to evict them. And I'm yeah. thinking to myself, <laughs> I have to evict someone, but I didn't even let them into the property. So that's what I'm thinking as a odd 20, 23, 24-year-old. So these are the experience that I could not have read about in the, a book of all the education I could have done until they ended up coming up. And then that's how I ended up figuring out on the go. And luckily it was on someone else's dime as well. So there wasn't as much risk on my side. 
Right, right, right. Well, that's that's excellent. So when you found that property and you got into it and you guys started renting it out, did you have any equity stake in that property or you were just doing just the free property management services for them? Yeah. So how it worked out was he got 90 percent equity and I got 10 percent. And I negotiated that because I could have simply just took a wholesale fee of a, a couple grand and then walked away from that. Uh, or still done the ongoing management, but is I decided, okay, well, let me get equity uh, within this deal. And then that's when I was able to, to get that going forward. Perfect. Perfect. And guys, those of you that are listening, it's always good to get equity, equity stake in a position. That way you can, you know, ride the upswing versus just getting that one-time wholesale fee and then moving on. Because not only do you get the equity, but you get the education because you're into the deal also. So good job, Sterling, man. That's excellent. Excellent. So doing all of this, what, what was that next step? So you got this first property because I know you bought or owned like 150 units. How did you go from, you know, mom and pop one or two to then doing hundreds of units? So I ended up that partnership that I had with that individual, he was older and he was more so wanting to go at a slower pace. So shortly after that, I was actually at a, a, a real estate conference or more of a smaller meetup. And I had met my business partner after that to where we ended up scaling the business to that 150 single families. And the, the infrastructure that we had was it really came down to one, if we wanted to scale, we needed money in that, that case. And so we were able to start with friends and family. And then simultaneously at that time, I was doing a lot of content marketing, contributing on a bigger pocket. So we would buy single families and let's say we would buy 10 of those using friends and families. Then we would get them stabilized and rented. And then we would bring outside investors to cash those original investors out, go okay. use that money again. And then those new investors that would come in would get a cash, what is it, from the cash flow, a return on their investment. And then it really just snowballed from there. It came down to that, how many properties can we buy that actually fit this model to reverse engineer to get our investors the returns we wanted to get them to. Gotcha, gotcha. So a lot of people, they have that fear of, presenting an opportunity to an investor, albeit if it's friends, family, or somebody that's unknown. How did you start that conversation with your family and friends about, hey, you know what, I can take your money and we can roll it into this property and get you a return? How did that conversation go? And for those that are listening, you know, how, what, what strategies can you provide to them to help them start raising private capital? So one, I'm glad you started off with presenting the opportunity because that's how it, it should be viewed versus, okay, I'm going to be taking money from this person. It should be viewed as you're offering them an opportunity on their money that may just be sitting, likely sitting, earning 0. 0.000, whatever the case is in the yeah. bank, which is losing money due to inflation. So is... And how it worked is it wasn't my friends and family. It was my business partners, friends and family, significant others, friends okay. and family who had deeper pockets. So one, I just ended up partnering with someone. And, and that relationship is I brought a lot of the, the sweat equity because he already had a lot of the, the cash from previous deals that he had and also experience. And he was able to take that over from some flips he was able to do with friends and family's cash. And then once we started doing the single family and more of the buy and hold model and starting our company, we were able to bring those friends and family over. So those initial conversations really just came down to that, hey, here's the return investment you're able to get from your, your flips. 
And then that ended up working out with my partner and his the, the friends and family. And then when we transitioned them to the, the single family, more of the buy and hold, it was, hey, we've already had this success over here. This is what it's going to look on the buy and hold. Once we bring in the new investors, this is what you're going to get paid out on. Okay, perfect, perfect. And you were doing all of this primarily in Indianapolis, correct? Yes, Indianapolis. And then when we got around to about 115, 120, had to expand to a Dayton, Ohio. Okay, gotcha, gotcha. All right. So you have this partner, and it sounds like now, and correct me if I'm wrong, sounds like the partner was bringing a lot to the table. They were bringing the money, they were bringing the family and friends, they were bringing the experience. So, correct. Did you have that conversation with him to say, hey, you know what, I'm Sterling, this is what I can offer you? Or how did that how did that work? Because it seemed like he already had something pretty stable going on and bringing you in was more so a benefit to you than to him, unless I'm seeing it incorrectly. Uh, That is a, a great perspective. And how it ended up working was. So we met at this real estate conference where he was in the infrastructure of another operator. And then I was working with my uh, mentor at that time. We had several single families and I saw him on stage and I said, for some reason, I just got to work with this guy. And from there is I remember he went into the bathroom. I followed him into the bathroom and said, hey. I, yeah, that's how aggressive I am. <laughs> yeah. <my> Ballsy, Sterling. <laughs> yeah, literally, no pun intended. <laughs> but uh, so I followed him in there and I said, hey, let's start working together. And we exchanged contact information. He said, this is the office I work out at. And I was in there the next day, the next day. And I was working on what I had going on. And then he was working on what he had going on. But he he was still in the infrastructure and he was having success within that. But he wanted to do something on his own. And he saw the work that the work ethic that I had, because I would be one of the first people in there. And then also the last person that would be and. Then we started doing deals together. And then that's when I ended up planting the seed in this and his and this planting the seed for him. Hey, let's go ahead and start and do our own thing. And then when we started negotiating equity, that's when he did get majority because of what he brought to the table. But okay. then he saw from a worth at work ethic, the from the sweat equity side, that's why I was able to get minority. But then that that's what I brought to the table. Gotcha. Gotcha. Okay. So it's just looking and evaluating what each member has to offer and saying, okay, what's your strong suit? And you work in that area. I work in this area and let's build this company together. And a lot of, yeah. And a lot of people, it's difficult for them to do that because, you know, some people, they want to stick their chest out and say, Hey, I'm majority owner. I'm majority owner. But you said, you know what, this guy has everything already in line. I'm still learning. I'm still working. Let me work up under him partner, get a small percentage of equity and build this business. Okay. Yeah. And, and the common question that people do have is that, well, what, what, how do I figure out what the equity is within yep. a partnership? It's, it's difficult to say because it's not one of those things that's very black and white that says, okay, if this person brings all these and then brings all these, because someone could bring, let's say they have property management experience, still finding all this, but they're average at those and you bring finding deals or whatever you bring to the table, but you're an A player at that. So that also comes into consideration as well. But what I always tell people is that within 
determining the equity split is to not try and get over on the other person because you do not want that resentment from that because that'll end up biting you on the end at a later point. And they'll always have that in the back of their mind that "Ah, I should be getting more equity for all this amount of work that I'm doing. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And that's really valuing that relationship. And if you're if you're truly in it and being authentic with it. You want to see that other person win as well as you win, because at the end of the day, you both will win and the company will win. All right. So Sterling, tell me, you did all of this. You built these, this, this portfolio of 150 plus single family houses. Why transition over to multifamily? Because it seemed like you had something that was good going on here. So having that many single families at that scale is a nightmare. And I wouldn't say an entirely different nightmare, but it's quite labor intensive from a management standpoint because it was self-managing. It wasn't third party. So, yeah, there was quite a bit of employees. And, you know, when you have employees is that you got to deal with bureaucracy. And then some people say, in a way, it's babysitting. But I don't Mm want to say it that way, even though I just said it. So (laughs) is. So you got to deal with that. And then also the the single family is that there's a lot of transactions. So a lot of these deals were one-offs. If Lucky would get two to three, but this was a transactions of about 115 to 120 out of those about 150 or so single single family total assets. So it took a step back and said, okay, what model is even more scalable? And then that's when it was a no brainer to go to multi. Okay. And you're still doing this with the same partner? So no, we did decide we still own apartments together, but then just due to shifts in the economy, we ended up going our our separate ways with our ventures. Okay. All right. So, so now you're doing multifamilies. How did you get educated on the multifamily? Because it's different than single family. The numbers are different. Looking at the ROI is different. Everything, you know, running the numbers on it. Is different. So, how did you gain that education? So, one is on bigger pockets. That was a great source. And looking at others' case studies that they would post on their deals, saying, okay, this is what it was beforehand. This is what it was after. Second was I was reading one really good book, was Multifamily Millions by David Linhall. Very good from a, what do you call that? The ABCs, for lack of a better word, what very digestible mm-hmm. type of read. And then, thirdly, Grant Cardone's earlier content that he had before he opened up his fund and all that was really good. His content now is Uh, Mm so-so, just my personal opinion, but his earlier material when it came to multifamily investing really helped speed up that learning curve because I was really wanting to focus on what is that 20% that I need to know uh, that'll give me 80% of the results or in essence, that 20% that's the most important. The remaining 80% is Good to know. Right, right. You'll learn it as you get into it. Okay. Exactly. So let's talk about it, Sterling. What was that first acquisition, multifamily acquisition? So how that first one worked was just taking the route and have strictly gone off market. So direct to the owner has actually been my go-to. Okay. And- so, so before we go, what kind of marketing are you doing? Is it cold calling, direct mail? Calling. Okay. Strictly calling, and then we'll follow up with direct mail. But the primary touch point is a calling. All right. So let's dive into that conversation. How, how does that conversation go, Sterling? Yeah. So the first initial one was found a 46-unit apartment complex, so drove past it, 
and then saw that the parking lot looked like an alligator's back. It needed work. It was very bland, pulled the public records, saw it was owned the LLC, found out who owned the LLC and was able to get their contact information. And with my calling is it's just very straightforward. No NLP, no trick, no is it, it's very straight to the point. So it was, hey, his name is Chris. Wanted a person to reach out to you. I own property around yours and want to see if you consider selling. And from that is this happened to be his very last apartment. And he was shifting from getting he wanted to be out of the industry from an operator standpoint and actually be a debt collector. OK. Hmm. So due to your off-market strategies, you are able to pick this deal up. Similar, similar situ- situation to me. It wasn't 46 units. It was a duplex. And yeah, that's, that's what I did. I found a property. Actually, it was on the MLS. I found out that it fell off the MLS, fell out of escrow. So I sent the guy a letter and said, hey, you know what? Saw you had this property listed. It didn't sell. Are you still considering selling it? And that started the engagement. So guys, it's, it's not rocket science. It's not real difficult. You just, once you find that property and you find that seller, just have that open, open-ended conversation and see exactly where it goes. Exactly. But I would say the difficult part is the actual execution. Yep. And cause some people have maybe limiting beliefs that I don't want to call this person. They may say no, they're fear of rejection all of those. So those are just some things that you would have to get over yourself or find someone to do it for you. But if you're in a situation to where you don't have the cash to do that, somebody's got to do it. Exactly. Exactly. So let's take a brief break, Sterling, hear a word from our sponsors. And when we come back, we're going to talk about how you raise the capital for that 46 unit apartment complex and then what you're doing in Houston. So let's hear a word from our sponsors and we'll be right back. PropString is the industry's number one tool for locating distressed properties and connecting with highly motivated sellers with 100% coverage across the U.S. PropString provides a deep dive into any property's specific details, making it easy to generate lists of distressed properties and contact to the owners. No other product or service can compare. Gain access to MLS property details like expired listings. You can pull accurate comps, even sale prices in non-disclosure states. This information is typically reserved for licensed real estate professionals, but is also available to you in PropStream. Gain access to unlimited nationwide property search, comparable home sales, targeted marketing lists, and owner contact lookup, built-in marketing tools, hundreds of filters to search and sort leads. Start your free seven-day trial now by going to proud.propstreampro.com slash we love it. Are you tired of seeing others becoming successful real estate investors and you just don't know where to start? You see all the Instagram posts of others being successful. You see the Facebook ads guaranteeing instant success. You look at tons of YouTube videos and you even attend seminars just to be tricked into 10, 20 or even $30,000 courses. Well, with the Deal Finders Club, my husband is here to change things for you. Have you said to yourself, I'm deadly afraid to talk to sellers and I have no confidence. I don't know where to find motivated sellers. I don't know where to get a contract from. I don't know how much to offer the seller, let alone where I'm going to get the money from to close the deal. Well, in the Deal Finders Club, Marcus and his partner, Mike, are going to show you how to overcome all those challenges and more. Find out how by going to azdfc.com. That's azdfc.com. We'll see you inside. 
right. So we're back with Sterling White from Indianapolis, Indiana. And right now we're talking about how he raised the capital to, to acquire this 46 unit apartment property. So Sterling, how did that happen? So it was a portion of friends and family, but this was more so a lot of the relationships that was built from the, so it was simultaneously a small portion of friends and family. Secondly, were investors that the were on the single family side that ended up coming with us. And then lastly was new investors that we had to attract that were interested in multifamily. So that's how that ended up working. And this was a syndication to where the total purchase price was $900,000. Yes, $900,000. This is in the, the Midwest. And then $200,000 was need to put down. So this was a seller finance deal with the actual seller. And additional $485,000 was raised to take care of improvements for the property. Okay. So growing up in the hood of Indianapolis, you're now raising millions of dollars. Is that something that you ever thought or projected upon yourself back when you were a shorty? <laughs> no, I didn't even... The, the only thing I had in my mind in that environment was survival. I didn't even know what was possible outside of that. And this is actually a great question you, you bring up. And it wasn't until my mother moved both my brother and I from that environment to more of a, we were in a suburban type location. We were still in lower income housing, but it was different, especially when it came to the, the schooling side of things. And then also the people I had surrounding me. However, my brother went back to that environment, took a different path in life and was facing hard time due to those decisions. So that's one thing is that the, the changing of the environment really started to open the perception that, hey, I don't have to take this common path that many people take in those types of neighborhoods. This is actually a whole entirely different path. Wow, that's excellent because you went one route, your brother went the other route and it lets you know that the decisions that you make when you're younger can definitely determine, you know, the end result of the path that you take. So you're, you're raising this money and you're acquiring these properties. How did you end up transitioning out of Indianapolis? Did you just, you know, you guys just started buying up everything or the numbers just didn't work any longer. How did you, how did you end up in Houston? The, the numbers didn't work. And this was Houston. Myself, I made a, a personal decision to move from Indianapolis to, to, to Houston. Real estate was a driver, driver in that, but that was more of a personal decision. Expanding from Indianapolis to Dayton, Ohio, as well as Louisville, it helped from one, Indianapolis, the numbers weren't penciling out as much. So we had to figure out a way, this is to scale the, the single family side. But then once moved to multifamily, we had to expand to even more markets because there's only a finite of C-class properties. So built around 1970, which some would consider deep. Well, is, yeah. And these were, was it 1970s built pro product assets and C, I would say B minus to, to B locations. And so for that is there's only a finite of those that are 75 to 150 units in any given market, especially in Indianapolis. So that's why I had to expand to others. Okay. So just to clarify, you moved to Houston for personal reasons, but you're doing deals in Louisville and Dayton, Ohio, outside of oh, Indianapolis. No longer Dayton, Ohio. So it's okay. focused on the larger markets within Indiana and 
Kentucky, as well as Missouri. So being Kansas City, St. Louis, Cincinnati, as well as Columbus, and then Indianapolis, and then Lexington and Louisville. And then also recently in Houston, Texas as well. But that wasn't the primary move to here. Okay, gotcha, gotcha. And then finding those deals and sourcing those deals in those those virtual markets, basically, how did you navigate that? How did you find the people to, I guess, the boots on the ground to walk the properties, run the numbers, you know, during the inspection period, everything like that? So how it worked as an example with uh, Louisville, one of the first things I did was I went on Bigger Pockets and started networking with people who were in Louisville. And then secondly, is I was making trips there because it's only just under two hours, about an hour, 45, two hours to, to get there. And so I would meet with property management companies. And then simultaneously at this time, I was doing the outreach to owners to then nurture those relationships, to then push it to an actual sale at uh, some point. And then once got a deal under contract is, or even before getting it under contract, was able to get all these different set of eyes on it, especially from the property management company, and then took that information to then make an educated offer based upon it. Okay. And then lastly, we're going to wrap up here and we're going to put Sterling on the hot seat. But before we go, Sterling, the decision to do Ohio, Cincinnati, Cleveland, Louisville, did that have anything to do with the laws in that state as far as landlord tenant laws? Or why did you make those decisions? Yeah, it was a very comparable market to Indianapolis. And I would say it was just a couple steps behind from an economic standpoint. There was definitely growth that is ahead and it's going through that growth now. And yes, the it being very landlord friendly also played a, a huge factor into that as well. That's why I don't invest in, I think it's the blue states or the red states, whatever state is New York, whatever, if they're Democrat or Republican, yeah, I don't blue get too states. Much into politics. Yeah. yeah. Blue, blue uh, states Chicago, are... California. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Though the blue states are more Democratic states and they are more tenant friendly states. So it's difficult for landlords to evict. That's why I'm starting to look into the Northwest area of Indiana, of Indiana, looking at some single family properties, because we do quite a bit in the Chicago land market. And it can take, you know, sometimes eight months, nine months, 10 months to evict somebody. So if you don't pencil those eviction times into your numbers, you can be upside down real quick on a property. Yeah, just imagine the lender doesn't care. <laughs> and that exactly. case is your mortgage, your mortgage is still due. So those are, I'm glad you mentioned that about penciling that out. Exactly, exactly. So Sterling, we are going to put you on a hot seat, Sterling. We're going to put Sterling on a hot seat. So Sterling, starting over, what would you do differently? Well, I mean, this question is that it's difficult because everything I did was able to get me to this Point. So that's the slippery slope. I would say is to be more of a strategic thinker because I like to look at it as, yeah, it's it's a double-edged sword when it comes to action taking, but I consider myself such as, let's say, the juggernaut from X-Men to where I've got that helmet, there's a wall in front of me, I keep running into the wall until I ultimately break through it and that wall is a challenge, but then I've got all this debris and all this mess that I have to clean up versus I could have just took a step back and said, okay, Maybe I can build a ladder. Okay, maybe I can go around this wall. So that's what I would say more to my younger self. Okay. And any book recommendations or anything like that that you feel would be suitable for our listeners? 
Well, I mean, this is my go-to book, which is A Shoe Dog by Phil Knight, which is the founder of Nike. Okay. All right. And then lastly, what do you believe every successful, what characteristic every successful investor should have? I'd say is the growth mindset. So having that thought process that, hey, there's a, the, a challenge in front of me, whatever the case is, that I'm going to figure it out. So I would say you must have that. And if you have the victim mindset, I just don't see it lasting too long. Okay. Well, Sterling, thank you so much for being on the We Love Equity Real Estate Show. If our listeners want to contact you, get in touch with you, how can we find you? How can we follow you? Yeah, one way is visit the, the site, sterlingwhiteofficial.com. That is sterlingwhiteofficial.com. And then also it's the same on Instagram as well, which is just, uh, well, I would say, yeah, is Instagram is sterlingwhiteofficial. Okay. And we'll make sure we have all of those links down in the show notes for you guys to look at. Sterling, again, very progressive. He's out there doing deals. Uh, also, he ha- he's contributed to Bigger Pockets for years. And that's how me and him met. So his articles, even some of his older articles still contribute to your education now if you get out there and read some of those articles. So Sterling, I really appreciate it, brother. We have to reconnect and get back together. So at your leisure, at your convenience, let's reconvene and get back together. All right, let's do it. All right. right. All right. Thank you, guys. You guys know exactly what to do. This was Sterling White, official on the We Love Equity Real Estate Show. You know exactly what to do. We always, always love to enjoy the journey, and we want you to do the same. Okay, guys, that was Sterling White. And again, me and Sterling White know each other from our days of contributing on bigger pockets. So he has a wealth of information as well as I do. One thing I do want to point out to you is that relationships are very, very key as a real estate investor. As you can hear from him and some of the other guests that we that I've interviewed, it's all based around relationships, going out, finding the people that do what you are trying to do and spending some time with them, spending some resources with them and learning exactly how to do what they're doing. So with that being said, my partner and I, Mike Delpreet, we have officially opened up the doors for our Deal Finders Club. This opportunity will give you an experience unlike any other. We have an online course with over eight modules, 30 hours worth of video content, and weekly meetings with myself and Mike via Zoom. So we help you go out, find off-market deals like Sterling was talking about. How do you market to sellers? How do you do cold calling? What do you say when you're on the phone? What type of direct direct mail campaign should you create? What systems do you knew, do you need? Where do you find the contracts? Where do you find the assignment agreements? All of that for finding deals. What what purchase what should you have in your purchase contract? We answer all of these questions in the course and in person from our 20 plus years of experience. So right now the doors are open. We're only opening up for a limited amount of people. We're only trying to get no more than 25 people in the course. And right now slots are filling fast. So you can go to azdfc.com. That's azdfc.com to get additional information. And then again, this is not a course where you're just on the computer 
by yourself, but we walk you step by step through everything that we teach. Now, however, if you want to go at your own pace and you say, hey, you know what? I just need the course content. Let me get the course content and do the self-study option. You can do that as well. So go to AZDFC. We have both options there for you. And if you're an ASRIA member, there is a discount code that we'll be able to provide for you. Just reach out to me on any one of my social platforms and we'll provide that discount code for you if you're an ASRIA member. And then finally, if you want to speak to me directly for a few minutes, you have a couple of questions you need answered, go to marcusemaloney.com and schedule your 15-minute free consultation. I'll definitely talk to you in regards to answering your questions. So I love it. I love you guys. Thank you so much for being loyal listeners and loyal followers. I have a very, very special episode on next week. I'm going to share with you on generational wealth. A lot of people talk about, you know, I want to create generational wealth. I want to create generational wealth. Well, my son is 13 years old and I walked him through the steps of getting his own property into his own LLC, his siblings LLC. So I video recorded all of that, the process, what he had to do. He paid off one of the properties. So if you want to see that, you want to talk about generational wealth, I am going to be sharing that with you here soon. So again, it's Marcus Maloney. It's the We Love Equity Real Estate Show. We love you. I love you. And I look forward to speaking with you on the next episode of the We Love Equity Real Estate Show. Thank you for listening to today's show. I picked up some great actionable items and I'm sure you did as well. If so, let me know. You can always reach me via social media at facebook.com slash MRCS Maloney, Twitter at MRCS Maloney, and of course, IG at MRCS Maloney. You can also always reach me via email at mmaloney at equityri.com. Make sure you reach out to our guest as well. You can always find their contact information in the show notes below. If you have not subscribed already, what are you waiting for? Join the family. And while you're at it, leave us a five-star review. This is how we tell if we're providing you with what you need for your journey. If there's someone you would like for me to interview, or if there's a subject matter you would like for me to cover, please let me know. Finally, if you're looking for additional information about real estate investing, go to equityrealestateblog.com, also youtube.com slash Marcus Maloney. Until next time, family, always enjoy the journey.